The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made. And by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, live in New York City, where the sounds of city life sometimes join us for the show. I hope you'll embrace their presence as I have. The focus of today's show can be a source of both pleasure and pain. It's about the importance of relationships and how we can effectively manage them. In an article entitled, Why Personal Relationships Are Important, the University of Minnesota presents these research findings. Healthy relationships can help you to live longer, mitigate stress, and improve physical health. They can also help you to feel richer. The article cites a survey of 5,000 people from the National Bureau of Economic Research, which found that doubling your friends has the same impact on your well-being as increasing your income by 50%. In contrast, low social support can increase your chances of becoming sick and lead to depression and high blood pressure. In a 2012 article about building a well-networked organization, The MIT Sloan Management Review discusses research about the link between performance and relationships. Relationship building is a distinguishing strength of top performers, those ranked in the top 20% of their organizations. The reason? High performers gain expertise and also access to resources through the relationships they cultivate both at and outside of work. Joining me to share her expertise on both work and personal relationships is Dr. Karen Rancourt. Dr. Rancourt is in the process of writing her sixth book, which focuses on relationships. Her most recent books, including Ask Dr. Grandma Karen, Savvy Advice to Soothe Parent-Grandparent Conflicts, reflect her expertise in intergenerational relationships, specifically the dynamics and issues among grandparents, parents, and grandchildren. Her insights are informed by the broad perspective she's gained in roles ranging from teacher to organizational consultant, career coach, and advice columnist. Dr. Rancourt, welcome to the show. It's really interesting to reflect on the generational issues that impact relationships. Good morning, Hamda. And yes, your your research is spot on in terms of the importance of having relationships that, in fact, enrich our lives. And it would be just wonderful if every relationship was able to do that for us. But the fact of the matter is that many of our relationships are problematic. They're not helping us uh, get as much out of them as we would like. And 
this is uh, my area of focus, and I'm delighted to have this chance to talk with you about some of the things I've learned through the decades, because I know, Hemda, you also have expertise in, in relationships. The interesting thing about relationships is you don't get to decide whether or not they're going to be a part of your life. They're a part of your life, whether you want it to be or not. So it behooves us to really come up with some ways to assess our relationships, be they intergenerational, be they with our colleagues, be they with our our family members. And we call all this relationship management skills, and there are skills. We all know people who are just really good at it. They're people-oriented. And if we spend time analyzing why they are so successful in their relationships, as I have done through the, through the years, there are certain elements that come up and can be shared. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm interested in talking with you about uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And I know you talk about two different types of relationships, want-tos and have-tos. Exactly. And I found through, through my work with uh, my families and my uh, corporate clients that this is a very useful way to think about our relationships. You mentioned one type is what I call the want-to relationship. Another kind of relationship is the have-to relationship. And then there's a, a third kind of relationship that I call relationships in, in transition. So I just want to make a comment about people sometimes get down on themselves saying, oh, I'm just not a people person, I'm not, I'm not very good at my relationships. But I want to take a second to remind people that they're much more skilled at managing multiple relationships, regardless of age. If you look at it this way, for example, I grew up in a family, two parents, four siblings. So if we look at these six relationships that I grew up with and do the math, six times six, they're the six members of my family also working on their relationships. I was working on 36 different relationships swirling around me in my my home life. If we extend that to our uh, work life, for example, I'm on a team with 10 people. Again, do the math. We've got 90 different kinds of relationships going on around us. So, yes, we do want to get better at our relationship management skills, but I'm just suggesting we take a second and give ourselves a pat on the back for how well we are doing with some very difficult uh, circumstances. It seems that you're also bringing up the point that there are opportunities for learning for those who feel less comfortable, for those who may not have grown up with siblings or a lot of people in the house and had an opportunity to socialize as much and really gain a comfort that you're offering some wonderful insights also that will help people to become better at managing relationships and to feel more comfortable. Absolutely. And I, th- I think one of the easiest ways to get our arms around our relationship management skills is to focus on this um, idea of our want-to relationships. And by that I mean these are the relationships that we choose to be in. 
I'm in a want-to relationship with someone because it pleases me. There are certain things that it, it brings to me. I'm emotionally invested in this relationship. I care about what's happening in it, and I'm highly motivated for it to be mutually satisfying and enriching for the person with whom I want to have this want-to relationship. In this kind of a want-to relationship, I care deeply about the other person's feelings and happiness, and I consciously and deliberately work at being genuine in a a variety of ways. I'm willing to share my emotions, I'm willing to share my feelings, and I take care to express difficult thoughts and feelings with sensitivity and compassion with this person. So by way of of summary, the want-to relationships in our life, uh, they bring out in me positive feelings for the other person. I want that other person to be happy, and I I want to play a supportive role in the happiness of another person. So the want-to relationships require from me constant care, I nurture them, I I approach them with diligence, I value, I may even treasure the connection that I have in this this relationship, this type of relationship. And Hemda, I just want to make a side comment that I'm defining relationships uh, as ongoing connections. There's involvement or associations that can affect my quality of, of life. I'm not talking about that uh, more casual relationship with my car mechanic or a a salesperson. We're focusing today, and you and I are discussing, those relationships that affect me deeply, personally, and my my quality of life. So I'd like to stop and and give you a chance to share with, with me some of your experiences and comments about this category of relationship that I'm calling want-to relationships. I think you just made a very interesting point about the want-to relationships being those that really impact your quality of life because it is someone who has a consistent presence in your life as opposed to making a trip to the store and having interaction with a cashier or another person Mm -hmm. who is working there that didn't feel so good Mm -hmm. and that may be disturbing for the moment but not necessarily something that carries over exactly and in the the want to relationship it requires more emotional energy and attentiveness from me but the rewards from it are equally uh, greater, as, as we'll see when we, we talk uh, soon about the, the have-to relationships. The want-to relationships often have the most pain associated with them. Uh, so it's, it's really on, on a, a continuum, the greatest input and emotional involvement is is required to make it be what I want it to be and hopefully what I I want it to be for the other person in the relationship. And the the downside, and I put that in quotation marks, is it's just a reminder 
that the hurt that uh, we can experience in a want-to relationship is much greater. What are the pain points that you have seen in your experience around the want-to? That's a... That's a great question. It, of course, it's going to vary from one individual to the next, but it usually has to do with people feeling hurt, undervalued, feeling they're giving more to the relationship than they're, they're getting out of it. A pain point might be feeling taken advantage of and... Other pain points. Um, I, I think that pretty well sums, sums it up. And your question, once we've identified the, the pain point, that can be a springboard for what do I want to do about this pain or hurt that I'm uh, feeling in this, this relationship. The disappointment will be greater in a want-to relationship than it will be in a have-to uh, relationship. So it seems that because the relationship is so important to us, because we're motivated to sustain it and to make it work, then that opens us also to maybe feeling more disappointment and hurt if we're not experiencing the same level of reciprocity exactly as we perceive ourselves giving but because it's a want to relationship for me does not necessarily mean that it's a want to relationship for the person with whom I'm I'm interacting and I'd, I'd like to come back to that point after we've talked a bit about the the have to uh, relationships because when the want-to relationship is out of sync with what the person on the other side of the relationship is, is looking for, that can create a, a whole different arena of relationship uh, difficulties and challenges. So that seems to connect with the third category of relationship that you were referring to, the relationships in transition. Exactly, and we'll we'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. Um, so before we leave the the want to relationships, uh, some examples in the the family, uh, in laws, and relationships with with grandparents. I have seen over time those relationships start out kind of bumpy and you know in a, in a new relationship there's a lot of exploring there's a lot of testing the, the waters but I'm happy to say in the four years that I've been writing my Ask Dr. Grandma Karen column I have seen that time is a, a great leveler and relationship management enhancer relationships that start out bumpy in the workplace give it some time give people some opportunity to spend time together. Same thing in family life. The mother-in-law who looks at her daughter-in-law and says, oh my goodness, we are so far apart. I, I don't think I'll ever have it in my, my heart to truly, truly love her. 
those kinds of relationships over time can evolve into want-to relationships. So I think it is important in terms of the want-to relationship to be willing to be patient, to understand what I'm willing to bring to it, what comprises a want-to relationship, and what are some of the things uh, we'll talk about that I can do to make this more of a reality. Wonderful. We're going to go to a quick commercial. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with author, intergenerational relationship expert, and advice columnist, Dr. Karen Rancourt. When we come back, Dr. Rancourt will provide insights on the second category of relationships, the have-tos. Stay with us. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with author, intergenerational relationship expert, and advice columnist, Dr. Karen Rancourt. We talked about one type of relationships, the want-tos, which are the relationships in which you are really invested and motivated. Dr. Rancourt, I'd love to hear about the have-to relationships. Oh, do you hear me sighing in the have-to relationships? Uh, It does warrant taking a deep breath because as the term that I've uh, devised to describe them, I have to be in this relationship as opposed to I want to be in the first category of relationship. In the have-to relationship, uh, I'm typically, if I'm in this kind of a relationship, I'm in it to please someone else. I am doing it to keep peace I'm in this relationship to keep other relationships smooth and intact. Quite honestly, in a have-to relationship, this is not someone I would necessarily choose on my own 
with whom to have a relationship. Example, uh, we talked about the, the in-law relationship. Bosses, friends, or relatives of someone close uh, to us. For example, my boss has invited me and my partner or spouse or significant other out to dinner. The last thing this other person I have a relationship wants to do is have dinner with my boss and his wife. That's a have-to interaction for him. And if it's a relationship that takes root, for example, my boss uh, once a month invites us out, that becomes a have-to relationship for the person who is there to do it for me. And I'm not saying have-to relationships are necessarily negative, they're not bad, they're a fact of life, but recognizing them helps us deal with them in ways that we're more comfortable and we're not wasting energy on, on negativity about the relationship. Uh, for example, uh, relatives, this comes up all the time in families. I have to be nice to my father-in-law. I have to be nice to my sister-in-law. In terms of I'm doing it for someone else in the family, I want my children to be able to have relationships with their cousins, so I w will participate in this have-to relationship. And the thing that um, people I've worked with uh, have learned is that this strategy of using what I call emotional distancing in this have-to relationship can help make it work and comfortable for all parties involved. If I emotionally distance myself in a relationship, I become very protective of my deeper feelings and emotions. I'm not as apt to share them as I am with someone with whom I'm in a want-to relationship. In a have-to relationship, I typically keep my, my guard up. I'm mainly concerned with keeping the relationship cordial and pleasant, not making any waves. I do not get into the other person's feelings and happiness in any depth. And the reason for that might be as simple as I really don't care for that, that other person. So the challenge for me becomes one of not letting it be known to the other person that I don't really care for him or her. I head off getting into conversations that require me to be honest and, and forthright. And I'm very protective of what we call my authentic self. So, for example, in a, a want-to relationship, if you ask me how I am, I may share with you that I'm facing some kind of a medical challenge or I'm having problems with other relationships that's in a want-to relationship. When someone says to me in, in a have-to relationship, how are you? I answer that life is busy, I'm, I'm doing lots of different things. I think you can sense that it's at a, a less authentic uh, level. I'm cordial, I'm respectful, I'm polite, but I'm really using what you may remember Irving Goff would call my on-stage personality. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to in the want to relationship, I'm more apt to use my off stage, really, really getting into serious uh, sharing. It sounds like a shield. It, it is, um, but I need to be clear why I'm in that have to relationship and the benefits to the other people for whom I'm, I'm in this have-to relationship. Mm-hmm. At work, I might be in a have-to relationship with someone on another team because my boss has asked me to please take someone under my wing. And I will do it, and I will do it well, but I will manage that relationship at a much more, as, as you say, shield level as opposed to opening up and and really um, sharing some of my innermost thoughts and feelings. It makes sense that when we want to be close to people, we share of ourselves with that person. We reveal things to experience more of that sense of intimacy. You mentioned that with the have-to relationships, you don't really care for that person. Would you say a little bit more about that? Um, It's okay not to like everybody. It's okay to have this kind of superficial relationship because the payoff is in other ways. I'm doing it for my husband. I'm doing it for my children. I'm doing it for my my work um, colleagues. That's okay. And P.S. I'm not going to like everybody and everybody's not going to like me. And for many of the people with whom I work, this is earth-shattering news that not everybody's going to like me or them. And that's okay. And I'll repeat myself, but it's not okay to be rude or unkind or inconsiderate of someone with whom I have a have-to relationship. I want to point out, going back to something we talked about earlier, and that is I may want to want to relationship with you, but I need to be sensitive about what kind of a relationship do you want to have with me. For example, I I would love to have a want-to relationship with my boss. I really admire her. Uh, She opens her mouth, and as far as I'm concerned, the world stops spinning and just focuses on, on her. However, she may not want to have a want-to relationship with me, and I have to be sensitive to that. When I ask her how her weekend was, and she said, it was fine, now let's talk about our agenda, I need to pay attention to that because she is indicating to me that she perhaps wants a different kind of relationship. Or if I mention the pictures she has in her office of her family on a sailboat and I try to get a conversation going about that and she comes back and she says, let's take a look at your work plan. I can't because I want a want-to relationship. I cannot force her to participate in a relationship at a, a deeper, more authentic level if she's not willing to do that. So part of being in both have-to and want-to relationships is to pay some attention to what cues and vibes am I picking up from the the person uh, participating in the relationship. 
So there's a self-management piece there. Absolutely. And an expression of respect in the sense, especially in a work environment, if you're paying attention to the cues, which you're suggesting that we all do, mm-hmm. that we respond accordingly. Agree. Agree. Now, related to the the point you just, just made is sometimes... Um, there are issues in relationships and we can pick up cues from people. If I'm in a conversation with someone or I say to you, oh, it's just so so stressful for me to be around her, be it my mother-in-law, be it a, a work colleague, or he just brings out the worst in me, or I don't know why he is so cold to me, or he is the most frustrating boss I've I've ever had. Those are indicators that something is askew in the relationship. And so in, in working with my family members and uh, people in the, the workplace, I've put together a, a set of nine questions. I call them relationship management questions. And I suggest that people either dialogue with a trusted other to get some some feedback and talk out loud about these questions, or I can do it on my own. I can just have a self-dialogue. And the questions, I'll go through them uh, quickly. Uh, The questions include, is this a want-to or a have-to relationship? And that's an important question because I will try other strategies if it's a want-to or a have-to relationship. So that's the first question that I ask people to think about. One thing, Dr. Vancourt, is I wanted to mention that it's based on your suggestion, we're asking that of ourselves, and then we're also putting the lens to the other person and asking whether they consider it a want-to or a have-to relationship. I would start with myself because um, as we go through the, the questions, you may agree with me that they are pretty probing and they could in a dialogue with another person if that's the person we're talking about I'm having the problem within the relationship they could cause some some discomfort so my advice is I go through this by myself about a relationship and or I I talk with a trusted other but not the person in in the relationship and then I'm in a as we'll see with some of the questions here, it may be in my best interest to share some of what comes out of this this um, relationship management um, assessment tool. So again, is this a want to or have to relationship? What aspects of this relationship are important to me? And I recently went through this process with a, a woman who was having horrendous difficulties with her boss at work. She didn't respect her. She didn't like her. And once we had the common speaking points of, is this a want to or a have to relationship? I asked, uh, we'll just call her Jane. I asked Jane, I said, what aspects about this relation are important to you? And she talked about she needed the job. She needed the money. Uh, so she she did not want to um, insult or break down the relationship with this this person, and then we talked about why are these aspects important to you? Needed the money, etc. And then um, I asked her, in what ways do you think you support these 
positive aspects of the relationship, what you need from this relationship, a have-to relationship, obviously. Um, What specific aspects of the relationship are upsetting or problematic for you? And once she got into that, she got in touch with her boss always took credit for everybody else's uh, work. So it was through this questioning process that she really got to the nub of what was, was bothering her. And then we talked about, so why is this problematic for you? As it turned out, not only was she being deprived of the recognition that she felt she uh, deserved for her contributions, but it bothered her even more that it was happening to her, her teammates She had a very close relationship with them. So in answer to the question, what are you willing to do to address this situation? She realized that what she was willing to do was to highlight herself when teammates were making contributions. And so we worked on some terminology and ways to do that so that she wasn't uh, sidestepping her boss or anything. Um, but she got the credit where she wanted the credit to be. What am I unwilling to do? She was unwilling to discuss this face-to-face with her boss, to your earlier point. And what is my go-forward plan? uh, I asked her, what is your go-forward plan for the future of this relationship? And she was able to come out with some concrete uh, steps for going forward. She was going to continue to be respectful of her boss, but every opportunity she was going to highlight uh, the contributions of her her teammates, and she was going to continue to uh, work, do her very, very best work for this this boss. And over time, I'm, I'm happy to say it did help her get through this very, very difficult time. But I think it was crucial. Once she realized it was a have-to relationship, she was able to emotionally distance herself and really focus on what are the key problematic points for me, what am I willing to do and unwilling to do. And it did work out for her over time. What I like about what you're describing in this framework is, as you mentioned, that it offers an opportunity to step back and look at the situation from a logical point of view because there are a lot of emotions, of course, involved when there's upset around the relationship. So taking a look at logically what type of relationship it is and what are the key pain points Mm -hmm. and how can I respond to the situation in a way that will allow me to experience it more productively. Mm -hmm. What can I do about the situation? What What am I not willing to do? And it worked, it worked well for her, and it does work well uh, as, as a series of dialogue with myself and or with a, a trusted other. Great. We're going to go to a brief commercial. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with author and advice columnist Dr. Karen Rancourt. Stay with us to hear Dr. Rancourt's advice about relationships that are in transition due to changing life circumstances. We'll be right back. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. 
You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with author, intergenerational relationship expert, and advice columnist, Dr. Karen Rancourt. We talked about how to more effectively manage both the relationships you really want to be in and those you think you need to participate in for various reasons. What about relationships that are in a transitional state due to changing life circumstances? Uh, There are many reasons why it's to our benefit to put a relationship in transition. And by that, I mean it's a type of a timeout. It's a time to sort things out. And step back from the relationship. And we do this for a variety of reasons. For example, some interactions or events prompt a reevaluation or reconsideration of the relationship. For example, someone in my family that I considered a, a want to type of uh, relationship going on is rude or takes advantage of me or there's a lot of bad mouthing sometimes that goes on in families when one person leaves the room the conversation starts in in a less than flattering ways so i may decide to reevaluate this this relationship based on somebody doing something that has hurt me disappointed me Sometimes in a relationship, things may be moving in directions we're not ready for, or they're moving too quickly. For example, in a romantic relationship, I need to just step back from this and see what I really want to do in this relationship um, and what directions it seems to be going. I just need to take a break from it and assess it. 
Another example why relationships go into transition is people start treating me differently. For example, a work colleague that used to include me in all of his or her meetings is now not including me. Time to step back, perhaps. I learned something about the other person I'm in a relationship with that is confusing or unsettling. For example, in my personal life, I'm dating someone that I thought was divorced, but I find out that he is in reality just separated. So this can cause a a relationship timeout. Another reason is I may want the relationship to evolve from a have to to a want to, and I just need to strategize and think about how I might want to go about doing that, changing the status of a relationship. Or, on the other side of that is, I've had a want-to relationship, but I'm not sure this is the kind of relationship I I want to um, keep, keep going in this way. So these are some various reasons why it's okay. Step back, take a time out, and some of the possible outcomes from a relationship in in transition is after I go through an assessment process I might use the relationship management questions to help me clarify some of the outcomes might be nothing changes it's status quo after working through the relationship management questions I may decide the relationship is just fine the way it is and I've decided I don't need to make any any changes Another outcome is to limit or reframe certain relationships. Um, For example, I may want to put new boundaries in place. For example, and this one has come up many times, uh, the lack of reciprocity. You you mentioned that uh, a little while ago in a relationship. For example, if I feel I'm always the one hosting dinner in my home, and that isn't reciprocated. Uh, The person in the relationship keeps showing up for dinner, but never invites uh, us into uh, his or her home for dinner. I may reframe the relationship and suggest that we'll meet in a restaurant and share the bill. This gives me the, the comfort that I need in this particular situation that I'm not being taken advantage of or taken for granted. Um, That applies also to the family issues. If I have a close relationship with one of my uh, in-laws and I find out that this particular person is saying unkind things uh, behind my back, in the past, I maybe would have felt that I have to stay in touch with this person because, as I mentioned, we want the children, the cousins, to be able to stay together. We want to have comfortable family dinners or whatever. But in reframing this relationship, I may decide to interact only when necessary. I may decide to cut back on the Facebooking, and I may use emotional distancing in reframing the relationship. It seems that you're then renegotiating the terms of the relationship. That there's, there's an insight that we have some opportunity to manage the relationship differently such that the emotional reactions that we have 
the experiences we have around it where there may be a lack of reciprocity, you may or may not think that it's going to be beneficial to actually have that conversation with the person. Sometimes yes. we contemplate it and we think, actually, it's better for me to step back, make the adjustments on my end. Exactly. And be able to find a sense of peace around this. Let's stay with the, the example we were just talking about. That is such a great point you just just made. We don't have to have an open and honest exchange of, of feelings every time we're experiencing them. That's, that's the value of, as you say, stepping back and, and taking a look at this situation. The example that um, I gave of the person who feels the, the in-law uh, was uh, rude or talking uh, negatively about them behind their back, to go and present that, really want to think about that because if this is a family with a lot of drama and a lot of sidebar comments, not necessarily positive ones going on, you might want to really think about, do I want to add to that? I can predict what's going to happen if I share my open and honest feelings. You hurt my feelings. I don't like that this family talks negatively about people when they're not, not present. Now you maybe have made a situation even worse. So if I slip into the have-to mode and I reframe our, our interactions, I can be comfortable with that. And I'm not trying to change the embedded family dynamics of lots of drama in this, this family, but rather I'm trying to coexist with it and make it possible for family members to spend some time together and not have me be the reason for the increase in the, the drama. There's some experience of triumph in that, it seems, because there could be an experience of, of feeling and being stuck. Yes. And, and oh. this is a way out. And it, it reminds me of someone I know who has categories of friends. He has friends he sees quarterly. Mm-hmm. He has friends he sees semi every six months. Mm-hmm semi-annually, and at first I thought that was really funny. And then when I thought about it, there is something actually that's very calming and reassuring about assigning those categories, so to speak, Mm -hmm. because it helps to place the person in your life. In ways that are satisfying, first and foremost, to you. Exactly, and it allows emotional distancing to come into to play. I can preserve a relationship, but it's emotionally liberating for me. I, I don't carry around this bag full of hostility and negative feelings because I have learned a way to personally deal with it and maintain some semblance of uh, uh, family harmony. It's emotionally liberating. You're absolutely right. And it's one of the reasons I was thinking about this. I love the the title of your your conversations with your guests, Turn the Page, because too many times talking about these relationships, we get stuck and we keep talking about the hurt what this person did and caused me to feel, et cetera, et cetera. And we're stuck and we can't turn the page. So the kinds of things that we're talking about, um, 
the have to, the want to relationships, the relationships in, in transition, they allow us to turn the page, our page, on our terms in ways that are beneficial to us and our loved ones. I did want to mention two other um, circumstances for relationships in transition. One is building new relationships based on new, new interests. Um, for example, um, I change careers. So I join professional organizations that support this career change. And out of that, there may be some new relationships. Uh, I may join various support groups. Children are uh, divorces uh, eminent and a support group uh, for that or serious illnesses, support groups. Some very meaningful relationships can come out of these uh, new relationships based on new interests. And I may want to reconnect or reestablish earlier relationships. I go to a high school reunion and I reconnect with someone who was very, very dear to me all those years ago. And so that's, that's another reason for reestablishing. Uh, it's been a long time out, perhaps, maybe even decades, but there's a potential for reconnections there. Another outcome in the relationships in transition is, um, and this is the, the most drastic action we can take, and that is to end the relationship. And certain friendships, we either do it in a, a strong, uh, obvious way, or for many of us, it's more comfortable to just let the relationships peter out. I stop extending or accepting invitations to get together. I minimize these, and I eventually stop staying connected via social media or whatever. And when the person says, we don't spend as much time together anymore, or is everything all right in our relationship, that's another opportunity to run ourselves through the relationship management questions in deciding what I'm willing to share and what I'm unwilling uh, to share with this, this person. And chances are, if I have decided to terminate a relationship, there's probably going to be more emotional distancing and less sharing of the, the real reasons. And that seems to come back to the point that we were discussing about what is it that we disclose and what, we, what do we not disclose in these situations, that there's an opportunity to let the relationship peter out mm-hmm. as opposed to declare that the relationship is ended. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, maybe from the standpoint of needing a sense of closure, there might be a temptation to have a more clear-cut ending of the relationship or a proclaimed ending of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So it seems that it's important to bring up the stepping back process where you ask yourself whether it's worth it, whether that's the most productive course of action to, you know, to have a stronger ending of the relationship. And you raise an interesting point because sometimes what we claim to be my need to bring closure to this relationship Sometimes it's really about hurting the other person. And we wouldn't be doing this topic 
justice if we didn't raise that that possibility. I'm feeling so hurt and at such a disadvantage in this relationship that I am going to get revenge by sharing with you some very hurtful comments about your behavior, but I'm going to package it as I'm just being open and honest. And we need to really be mindful of that. And this has really come home to me in terms of the uh, types of situations that I get sent to me as in my uh, role as uh, Dr. Grandma Karen in intergenerational family relationships. Many times it's about revenge. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And in those situations, one way that is sure to bring people up short is when I say, what would this do to the grandchildren? And many times the, the, uh, the young parent or the grandparent will say, wow, I hadn't thought about it like that. I was so focused on my, my own hurt that I forgot that the grandchildren are going to pay a price for how I handled this, this situation. So in that respect, it's helpful to get, help people get unstuck so they can turn the page. Mm-hmm. So we have the opportunity to bring people down and bring ourselves down. We have the opportunity to elevate. And we get to choose. Dr. Rancourt, thanks so much for sharing these invaluable relationship management strategies. Look out for Dr. Rancourt's upcoming book about relationships. In the meantime, you can learn more about her recent books and other published works at AskDrGrandmaKaren.com and read her advice columns at MommyBites.com and GrandMagazine.com. Next week's show will take us in a different quality of life direction. Dr. Jay Heller will be with us to talk about the unexpected benefits of chiropractic care. If you suffer from migraines or other chronic pain or would like to increase your range of motion, maximize your brain function, and reduce stress, listen in. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Turn the Page. Remember to make the grass greener where you are. Talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.